inspired by the Canadian Federation of the Blind. Outlook, a show about accessibility, advocacy, and equality. I'm Brian. And I'm Carrie. Outlook. Radio Western. Good morning. Hello. Thank you for joining us on this Monday morning. We are back on the mics in the studio. Well, Brian, you've been back for... I've been back once yeah. this year, back on Friday. Mm-hmm. So just uh, three days ago, I guess. And uh, that was for my music show, Chin Music, which, like Outlook, been away for January. Or being away, I mean, being at home not in the studio, but still doing shows. We did Outlooks in January, even though we weren't here in, in uh, live in the studio. Yes, but welcome on this Monday morning. You're listening to Outlook here on Radio Western, and I am Carrie, one of the co-hosts of the show. Yes, and I'm Carrie's younger brother, Brian, three years younger, and uh, we're both blind siblings, of course, as I'm her brother, so... That would make us siblings, and that's still something we got to add into the theme because I think it is a key part of the show. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, oh, sorry about that, folks. I just touched the mic, and you may have heard a little. <laughs> You're getting on me for doing on that. There. Yeah. Well. Anyway, it feels good to be back. We were here at Christmas, and then I haven't been here, but it's great to be uh, live on the mic. Yeah, it's just a different feel. I mean, you know, I'm adapt. We're adaptable, and pre-records from home also have their benefits sometimes. That mm-hmm. you have a bit more. F- freedom in the sense of, you know, you're not live, so if you do need to take a break, but in some ways that's, I don't like that as much, because I love just the spont- spontaneity of being in the moment, and whatever goes, goes, and you can't really take anything back, so mm-hmm. there's a there's that benefit that I like about live radio, first and foremost, but both formats have their uh, use, and over the next few weeks, we will be doing a f- few more pre-records as well. Carrie, it's been a bit of a balance to figure out guests, because we booked some for in the studio, and then we had to um, change that when we were back to pre-record so just a bit of balancing on the production side and booking guests but um yeah just for the rest of this month i thought i'll just i'll try and get back to live interviews in march yeah so starting out here february on uh on monday february 7th here we're doing another mixed bag monday or as we I, call them i always get these words mixed up but it doesn't matter obviously but i think Monday mixed bag I like because of the alliteration <laughs> with the M's together, but yeah. regardless, th- today's episode is just going to be the two of us talking about a bunch of different topics, and then the next three weeks we'll have guests on all pre-records, and then we'll likely be back early March in the studio again live, so. Yeah, with Zoom. Yeah, so I can't believe it's February already, and February is the big month of birthdays in our family, but there's uh, other stuff going on that we're going to talk about today. Of course, it's always a month of something or a week for something or a day for something. But um, as we've talked about recently, January was Braille Literacy Month. Uh, but um, And of course, Braille is very important to us. But now we're into February and we're on to the next thing, I guess. Yeah, so that from Braille, we move into February here in Canada with National White Cane Week, which is the first week of every February in Canada. Yeah, the first full week, I guess. First full week, right. Yeah. So... I'm taking this actually from the AMI website, which is Accessible Media Incorporated, AMI.ca. And on their website, they have a little write-up about White Cane Week. 
and also referred to as WCW. <laughs> Began in 1946, raises public awareness of the reality of life for Canadians who are blind or partially sighted. The first complete week in February focuses on demonstrating the abilities, not disabilities, of people who are blind or partially sighted. And the initial WCW, White Cane Week, was created by a partnership between the CNIB, Canadian National Institute for the Blind, and CCB, Canadian Council of the Blind. Yeah, and it's great because there's a lot of, as we talk about often, there's a lot of still stigma and shame around white canes. And it's the same with wheelchairs, right? Like, it's we've changed our language, uh, you know, to make it, sh- to show that these are actually devices that provide freedom. They're, they shouldn't be stigmatized as much as they are. So that's why we talk about this stuff. Yeah, it's one of those things that even even today, like you say, there's we talked about this a lot on the show, and it's something Carrie, I think you ex- maybe probably still experience to to a to a degree mm-hmm. um, as a bit of the uncomfortable being a little uncomfortable with the cane or just feeling sort of I don't know. You, maybe you want to talk about it more. I, me being born blind, I think it. It's not that I never think about it or ever feel a little awkward, but for the most part, I think it's a little bit more just it's the way it's always been for me. But you carry you've talked to on the show before in the early years of school that you didn't even have a cane with you. So maybe you, no. you can talk a little bit about that. But Yeah, I mean, I I was given a cane to, to use very young. Like I was in first, second grade or whatever, but I, I had so much, I had enough sight then. I say so much because it, at the time it felt Feels like... Feels like it compared to now. Compared to what I have now, it was it was almost like, I felt like I could see, I can see perfectly. Um, but... Uh, so I had the cane, but we were always in these small schools and small environments for long, many years. I didn't really need it. So it wasn't like a regular part of my life. And then as I got older and my vision started to fade more and I started being out more in the world, then it's just a safety issue. And it really does, you know, I, I went to Mexico with my cane and I just, I, I, <laughs> I just clutched that thing really tightly, you know, when it, when you're out there in the world with that, cause it, it, it make, Without it, you know, you hesitate to walk because if you're not in a familiar place, you know, you you don't know what you're going to come across. And the cane, people often will see it when they'll hit when you hit something, and it, they're like, "Wait, what's that?" But it's like that's what the point of a cane is. It's just depending on what it hits. Sometimes you feel like I feel kind of like it's sta- it makes you stand out, and I don't always like that, but it also provides me freedom. So, and that's the balance, I think. Is it Ruth who we had on recently? Does she talk about that in her book too? Or was it more Heather? I just, I know a lot of blind people like trying to get them to use the cane in the beginning. It's kind of like you kind of avoid it or you don't, it still isn't always accepted. And um, you hide it away. And and it's unfortunate because like you say, it's sometimes people, I think maybe think right away. It's like, oh, it's a, or it's, it's a tough adjustment to, to lose sight as not, I can't speak from experience as I've always been blind, but for someone who has sight and then loses it, it is mm-hmm. it is an adjustment. And to use a cane is really not fully accepting it, but really starting to, you know, accept the fact that you you unfortunately won't be getting your sight back. But at the same point, there is a tool like a white cane that can provide you independence. So it's a weird uh, sort of uh, balance there, I, I find. But. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just want a quick mention and then we, we'll, we'll talk about other things. But so yeah, this, the cane is something we always do also want to talk about on the show, Carrie. You and I both have had one guide dog each in the past. Mm-hmm. Not the same guide dog as we pointed out before. We've each had our own guide dog once. But uh, aside from that, now we both use a white cane. So those are obviously two different methods and both have their own pros and cons. And But I just want a quick mention, there's a couple events 
scheduled um, because of White Cane Week. Now, these don't really tie into White Cane specifically, mm-hmm. but I'll just mention one event for right now, which is coming up this Saturday from, or sorry, on the 12th. So that would be... Yeah, that is Saturday. Oh, that is Saturday. <laughs> Trying to keep track of dates The 10th sometimes. is Thursday. Right. So from 4 to 5.30 Eastern on Saturday, the event is Reforming Ontario's Assistive Devices Program. And this is another, not quite related, related to Keynes, but I'll just quickly read you the details. This form will include the results from a patient survey on Ontario's Assistive Devices Program. The seminar will look at what is presently happening with this vital program and what recommendations need considering to enhance the program in the future. So just to give listeners a bit of an idea, this assistive devices program is, it covers carry medical, like it covers a lot of things throughout Ontario, but it's based in the medical field, a lot of it, I think. Yeah, it's very medical model-y, right? Like it provides a lot of devices and not just what we use it for. So there's just different people needing it for different things. And, you know, it's great that we have this program, but it is not perfect, like everything else and a lot of people think it needs to be reformed and uh, yeah reimagined it's I mean I can see in a sense how it can how it ties in because they're looking at it from sort of the medical you know if you're losing your vision you need aids to help and this program does cover it covers computers with with screen reading software that we talk about that reads what's on the screen to 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 blind people or magnification magnification yeah like you say it, it covers different levels of visual impairment all the way to blindness so I mean, obviously, sorts of all sorts of other areas, but we won't get into that today because we're focusing on the the, the components for, for blind people in Canada, or in Ontario, I guess. Mm-hmm. This is a provincial program. But, so yeah, it provides these Braille displays that we're using right now. We're covered under this program, um, and we get reassessments every five years to, to get new equipment. But there are quite a few stipulations in, involved in, you know, I get it that they have, they have certain equipment they, they cover and certain things they don't, but it can be a little bit difficult sometimes because you do want equipment that that is what you need for your career yeah, your there's, there's no point in getting something that you don't really need just because that's what's offered you take what you can get like it's it doesn't really make sense and i've found there's certain things like like uh scanners like I, I might even have two or three scanners i've gotten over the years from them that have just never really needed but it's like well we've covered cover it so we're going to give you this scanner or mm-hmm. i don't know so i just i find a lot of times people don't quite know what they're looking for and sometimes yeah, when you're being assessed Based on the knowledge that you're that you're the person has that's assessing you, you don't always quite get the equipment that's fit for you. So I do think there's a lot of room for improvement. So I'm I'm actually hoping to to make time to attend this event on Saturday. So I, I'll I'll report back once it happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are there more events or? Well, there's one next week, but I don't really know if I'm going to go into it right yeah. now. I know I mentioned it to you before uh, before we went on air. Okay. Um, this checkered eye project. Oh, yeah. Um, so that, that, a- that's not the event, though, no, I don't oh. actually. Um, there's another event next week that's called White Cane Week Virtual Preventable Blindness Summit. Oh, right, right. And I didn't write down the description for that one. Um, I mean, again, I get it. Other people are in different situations, and if you are losing your, your vision, you want to find as many ways to be able to, to save and you know hang on to the remaining vision you have. And yeah. It's something I totally understand, but it's just, for this show in particular, I don't know you know, how much we really want to get into that. It's just, it's it's an area that I'm not as focused on because I'm really trying to promote more so. And for these purposes, it's more about adapting to being blind and living an independent 
full life with blindness. Accepting so, it and, and not being ashamed. And Yeah, so obviously preventing blindness, you know, it's like anything in the world. We want to make things easier for people and in a lot of ways that would be good. It's just, it's not really what we're about on this show. So I'm just not really sure how much focus we'll <laughs> put on that event. Yeah, but I've I've come across the woman who started the Checkered Eye Project and it's just that she feels like she still has enough sight and she she wants some sort of identification on her clothing. It's like a patch you attach to your clothing with a symbol and uh, just supposed to let people know that you are have low vision, but that you're not totally blind. And a lot of people do that by just carrying an ID cane, which is a version of the white cane, except they just, it's used to hold, you hold it out in front and stuff. You carry it with you just to show people because the cane serves two purposes. It, it's supposed to show the, the, the world around you that you're blind and then it's also supposed to help you get around. Right, it's an identification as well. Right, but for people who um, don't really need it for that, uh, then they just sort of use an ID cane, they're called. Well, but this, so this, I don't know how this, I guess it's just because it, it's similar to a white cane in the sense of, of representing identification. So this was mentioned on the on the um, AMI webpage about the white cane week. I don't think there's a specific event, mm-hmm. but yeah, just just, I'll just quickly read this little background. So, the Checkered Eye Project, the project began in 2000 by Libby Thaw, mm-hmm. an Ontario woman who was partially sighted. And she knew there was a need for those with limited sight who did not require a cane to have a way of demonstrating their disability. And then she designed a hands-free wearable symbol to aid in recognizing those who are blind or partially sighted. So this isn't an ID cane. This is a yeah. patch or a symbol. There are also these little ID canes, I guess, mm-hmm. as well. It's sort of separate, but... But yeah, pretty much what you said there, yeah. um, that it's a symbol that's worn on a person's clothing. and uh, Not help, everybody agrees, right? Like not everybody likes that idea. And um, I, w- I, w- I would actually like to interview her on Outlook sometime. Uh, I have seen her around, uh, and I think, you know, we're trying to promote different Outlooks here on the show. That's why it's called Outlook. And there, are, like you said, there are a lot of people who are just low vision, and, and they may never lose their sight completely, and they maybe we want options, I guess. So. And I said earlier, you know, that we don't focus as much on the show about preventing blindness and stuff but same point like you say this this show is about outlook so we would someday would be open to having someone on for, um mm-hmm. you know with with varying opinions or things maybe that we don't you know we can't relate to as much or or aren't necessarily the purpose it's just yeah it's it's always an interesting thing to figure out when you're doing a show how to curate what you think is important and what sort of fits the, the theme of this show and it's not that this, these other things aren't also important it's just that we have we can only cover so many things and we have to pick and choose a bit um but uh i guess we'll mention it later about ami but i thought i would just since it came up already here we can mention that i guess we had back in january on the show ben fulton came on our show to talk about housing discrimination when he was searching for a place to live uh, in his shared accommodations there's a whole page up on the cfb website canadian federation of the blind website cfb.ca with a form you can fill out if you've had previous experiences with discrimination based on disability or other factors as well you know any sort of minorities or any any reasons that you were you know you believe you were discriminated against and you weren't given uh, accommodations or you weren't uh picked to uh, to rent a, a, uh, in a certain house so there he'll he'll be on Ben Fulton will be on the show Kelly and Company on Accessible Media Incorporated this afternoon the show rent runs from 2 to 4 Kelly and Company we've also had Kelly on this show in the past um, and Carrie you said Ben you think will be on in the second hour I think in the 3 o'clock hour uh, he's going to be featured in their Know Your Rights segment with 
uh, Danielle McLaughlin. So that'll get him some good publicity for that, which I think is important because uh, he is a lawyer and so he's got experience and he's fighting for human rights and uh, he knows all about the charter and all that stuff. Stuff I haven't learned since 11th grade law class. But um, but yeah, so um, I actually helped to book him on to get him on there. So Yeah, because we've had those connections to AMI and specifically Kelly and Company because you and I, care have been on that show a few times as well. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, if you go to ami.ca slash live audio, you can stream AMI audio or you can maybe just even ask if you have a Google Home or Amazon or anything, maybe just say yeah, play I think so. AMI audio. I think it would work. Um, so yeah, but today around th- three three o'clock hour, but it also is put up as a podcast after. If you look up Kelly and Company podcast, you can find that. So yeah, yeah good uh, good on uh, Ben for getting on there um, with your assistance care, but it's great that he's spreading the word about this important uh, case and, and trying to get some uh, some feedback from others who have maybe had similar experiences. Mm-hmm. And as you said, we recently had Ruth Vallis on, who wrote a book, Love is Blind. Uh, just to review recent guests we've had, give them a bit more, one more plug. Uh, she had a, quite an interesting story. And so it's on the, our podcast feed, Outlook on Radio Western. So maybe if you didn't catch it, uh, go check it out sometime. She, you know, we, you and I have a bit of an issue with the title of the book, but of course... You know, she had a, an explanation for why she chose to name it that, and um, you know that's her her right. Uh, we just sort of, th- you know, as a writer, I, I fall into that tr- thing all the time where you, it's an easy cliche to kind of use, but we think it's often uh, just simplifies things too much, and it doesn't uh, challenge what that's kind of showing the world about. You know, love is blind, and blind date, and blind faith, and. We've talked about it recently with um, the book Their Plant Eyes about blindness. So it's just a discussion going on in the community, I think. Yeah, I think it is important, Carrie, that you did you did touch on that because, of course, we both we loved the memoir. It was super interesting. Oh, yeah. Ruth was a great guest and all of that. But again, this is this show is about people's outlooks and we're not all going to have the same outlook. And that's so important, especially in this day and age, I think, is to really realize that certain things are just someone's opinion and it doesn't mean that you have to take it too hard or just just realize that it's doesn't mean it's fact it just means that that's how certain people see it and and like you say just with yeah with a title like that it just it's sort of we talk about how effective words are and just love is blind is it's kind of overused and then it also sort of using the word blind it's not the i wouldn't say it's the most odd context to be using in that really hits me but it still isn't yeah. kind of the best use of the word blind in my opinion and then it also just goes back to reading her book you, you start to realize kind of how I mean things are still like this today but she comes she's a bit older than us so not like you know you look at a previous generation and just just the acceptance of blindness but still really trying to kind of fit in and not yeah it's almost like you know like I heard some reviews of her book that said you wouldn't even know she was blind reading the book and part of me is like I you know I see the the, the positivity in that in a way of people saying like, oh, like, but it still ties back to this sort of conquering a disability and what's wrong with a book showing that somebody's blind? You know, that's maybe just part of who they are and that's a good thing instead of being like so amazed that, oh, you wouldn't even know that someone's blind by reading that. And I don't know. I just think yeah. that sort of undermines the, uh, that being blind is actually not such a negative thing. I don't know. It's it's all perspective and time yeah. and, and, you know, everyone just has a different experience and that's the way it is. But 
Yeah, her mother raised her to be a very independent person. She went off to England to physiotherapy school and, you know, had four, four guide dogs, I think she's had. And so she's had quite the life. But, you know, growing up in, like we said, her generation, a lot of it was we got to beat this thing. We got to overcome this. We got to conquer this. And, uh, you know, that's, I don't know, that's hard to stomach sometimes mm. in today's culture. Yeah. But it was a fascinating book. Yeah, absolutely. So we highly recommend you looking it up. Love is Blind by Ruth Vallis. That's V-A-L-L-I-S. So definitely check that out. And yeah, so we had her on. We had Ben. We had another mixed bag show in in January. Mm-hmm. And then uh, last week, we should mention quick that we had a repeat. We re-ran our Braille Literacy Canada episode from last January where we had uh, two uh, board members from Braille Literacy Canada uh, on the show. So that was really great to replay just finishing off Braille Literacy Month. But then Carrie also last week, for subscribers to our podcast who follow the Outlook on Radio Western podcast feed, search it up on all podcast services, you did get a bonus episode last week that wasn't aired on the radio of our podcast, Ketchup on Pancakes. And this is that's where we began before Outlook, way back in uh, 2016. Mm-hmm. We actually aired one at Ketchup on Pancakes back in the summer of last year, celebrating our fifth anniversary on Radio Western. So <laughs> you've heard it on the radio once. Well, maybe a couple of times. I think we actually had our very first episode aired once as well. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so just just to let you know, if you do check out the podcast feed, there was a bonus episode last week of us doing our farewell, which we like to do at the end of the year on Ketchup on Pancakes. A little bit more casual than Outlook, not as focused on advocacy and stuff. More well, you're just, at home and you're drinking a beer. So it's different. Well, yeah, but it's also just supposed to be, the, the themes for that were, what, Care Family, humor. creativity, and humor. Yeah, so we still like to do those episodes when we can and keep things a little more casual and, and wrap up the year uh, every year. It's kind of nice, neat just to look back on the on the previous year. And it's interesting, Care, because this can tie into the next thing, um, unless you wanted to mention uh, um, Black History Month I as do. well. Yeah. But I just thought this also ties into, um, so we did our, Farewell 2021 by the fireside as we have a clip of a fire in the background and we just think it's a neat way to cozy up around the fire for the uh, holidays when we normally try to record those. Yeah, it's a nice nostalgic thing and I think it fits the theme. So, But it just turned out that the week where we did our Farewell by the Fireside episode of our podcast, Ketchup on Pancakes, there was an episode of the podcast that we've talked about a bunch on this show and we've had the hosts on it a couple of, from this podcast on our show a couple of times last year. That's the podcast Talk Description to Me and they did an episode on fire. So I just thought that really tied in and it's something we want to talk about on today's show as well. Yes, it was a really cool episode and you know, you wonder how, how they know what topics to cover and will they run out but we say that with our show too. It's like there's always something else going on and, and it was a neat idea whosoever it was. But yeah, it was great. Uh, I mean, I have a lot of memories of what fire looks like, and I know for you it's been different. But I could, I could, I, I think I could, could used to be able to see a lot of how, what he described. So, um, you know, from from going from all the way from a candle flame all the way up to forest fires. I think forest fires were the hardest concept for me, the newest concept. I've never really seen them as much. I've seen them on TV occasionally, and depending on the contrast on the show I'm watching. Uh, there was this great documentary called Borealis on TV Ontario about the boreal forest up north and they talked about these forest fires that start and uh, but there are of course a lot of really serious ones that happen out on the west coast and in the states and we don't you know we don't get exposed to that it's hard to understand what that must be like but you know a giant wall of fire 
compare that to a little candle, well, birthday candle. It's quite the. And that's what I thought was really neat about this episode is, so again, yeah, not being able to see it definitely has a different uh, feel for me than than you having that in the past. But I like how it started out with, like we're talking about candles, and then ended up at the end with with wildfires and these big forest fires. So really starting really small, and sort of. You know, starting kind of on a very happy note, and the and the comfort and warmth and and intimacy and all these things that fire represent, mm-hmm. and then expanding that out to getting bigger and bigger, and then to the to the dangerous side of fire. So it really, I really love the arc of that episode and how it how it how it tracked that that throughout the uh, the entire show. Um, Listen, so- it just seems to me like it's like life, right? There's so many things in life that it's so extreme for people. Either you hate something or you love it. It's good or it's bad. You know, fire can be beautiful and it, and it can be cozy and it can be, you know, comforting or it can be so scary. It can like, you know, destroy whole, whole towns. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's like the ocean for me, right? Like I love the ocean, but I also respect it. It's power because it's beautiful, but it's also epic and it can you know can it can get scary if you don't know how to you know swim and all that stuff so i loved fire and water for that reason and uh but yeah there was a lot of descriptions of what fire looks like and i you know fire was always such a bright thing that i i was always really pretty able to see it like i know what it's like when a flame sort of flickers i don't know if you know that concept bry um but they just jj the sighted uh, one in the pair of that talk description to me he he talked about how how candles will flicker yeah i mean it that the flickering part yeah i guess that did go i didn't quite r- realize that um like a lot of what he said did make sense though some of it still goes over your head cuz it is such a complex thing to describe and he did a fantastic job like he does jj yeah, hunt on the show he's the sighted individual on the show who does he's done a lot of descriptions in the past for a lot of events and and a lot of things in toronto there so he is the the sighted host, but then he's joined by his co-host Christine, who is who is blind. So, you know, it's an interesting perspective from both. And, um, but yeah, the flickering—I don't know if I quite got. I feel like the forest fire hard for me to grasp in some ways, but in a way, I think just by starting so small and then gradually getting bigger and bigger, I could kind of imagine how if the fire was enlarged and how you know these flames would be reaching out and they'd be grasping, they'd be. You know, they'd hitting, say leaping into the leaping, air, yeah, and then head, hitting other trees and other things. And I, it helped, I think, that arc. Whereas if they started with the forest, forest fire, I think it would have been harder. Hmm. But the fact that they built up from a small, starting with a candle, then going up to a, you know, a fireplace, and then a campfire, and I just think that actually really helped to kind of build the concept and mm-hmm. and sort of see how they all tie together. Um, they're all fire, but they, they, they're they look different. Obviously, the bigger they get. Um, but it's also, you know, if you understand science, then you understand a lot of what he talked about in that episode. He, he talked about how he discovered that a flame of a candle, it's it's hollow inside. He said he got a... So when he does research for the show, he'll Google things and he'll just go all over the internet to find images and, and then do research. He's really great at that. And he just talked about how looking from above, they did an experiment on, I guess, PBS Kids or something about fire to teach kids about fire. And he said, like, if you look down from above in, with a flame, it's actually hollow in the center. But I guess when you look at it, generally speaking, like in, side, in life, it kind of yeah. just looks like a th- like a, sol- a solid, more of a solid... I mean, you know it's fire. Right. It's not solid, it's but not it solid. looks like a pretty solid... It, they call it almost like a teardrop, but not quite. Like it's browner at the bottom and then it kind of goes to a bit of a... Like, I think they compared it to a pencil tip. 
Uh, but, you know, I don't know how much you've been able to see candles on a birthday cakes and things or what, at a campfire. Or yeah, so I can definitely see brightness. Like, if there's a cake and I, I look at it with candles on, I can see the, the, the brightness from the candles. But can you see individual or, candles or does it look just... Again, I'd have to, to be... Explain. You'd have to have a cake sitting in front of me right now. And if I really tried to focus on it, maybe I could mm-hmm. see where there's individual bits of lights, but I'm not sure. A lot of it, too, is... Sort of being in a relaxed state and focused. Obviously, I couldn't see that they are candles, but I don't know. Yeah, it's hard. It's kind of hard to say, but yeah. um, it's just it's interesting to think because so you've seen before, but I would say overall you're a little bit more cautious. And again, I don't want to make it sound like I'm a I'm a pyro or something. Or <laughs> I'm afraid of fire. A maniac, but you're definitely a little bit more cautious. Not cautious. That's not the word you even want to use. Well, I haven't I haven't used a lot of lighters. Skittish, I guess is what we would say. I don't. I, I've never really. You know, I've never smoked and all that stuff, so I don't have practice with any of it. And um, but yeah, I mean, I <laughs> yeah, I kind of stay I'll, away from it. I'll you know I'll admit it's. It, it's like anything when you learn how to, like, when you can't see it, does it makes it maybe a little more challenging or it's more of just a different way of learning it. But, yeah, like, I've, I have I light candles, um, not so much on my own, but, you know, when my uh, ex-girlfriend was visiting, like, that was just something we did together and it was something I got, you know, used to lighting candles all the time and got pretty good at. And, and there's ways to do this stuff. And then I think that kind of ties into cooking as well where a lot of, you know, even even people who aren't blind have, have fears of fire, and and yeah, that might like, affect cooking. But but a lot of <laughs> fire knives. It's common a lot in blind the blind community that you hear about a lot of blind people just using a microwave or never using an even an oven because of the fire. And it's like, sure, fire can be dangerous, but if you learn the proper skills and you learn how to cook and you learn how to do these things safely, it's not that dangerous if you're in control. Obviously, when it gets out of control, that it can be. So well, it's, it's that whole learn, thing about oh, blind people, sh- you know, don't go near fire, don't go, don't have a knife. And you know, when you've been blind for a while, you learn how to use a knife. And if you need to use, you know, to be around fire, you learn how to do that too. Yeah. So it's just I have had ex- more like quite a bit of experience with with lighters and 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 candles and and these types of things. So I, I am. I'm obviously cautious and, you know, it's fire. It can be dangerous, but I'm also, it doesn't really freak me out that much. Well, one thing Christine said in the episode, I mean, I don't want to give it all away. You should really go yeah, listen. Yeah, just check out the episode. It's obviously. cool. It makes you look at things from a different perspective. You know, hear JJ, you hear Christine, whether you're not blind or not. But uh, she just said, if you really want to freak sighted people out when you're about, like by a campfire, sort of like, oh my God, like get get a little too close and like, oh my God, and they get uncomfortable. <laughs> It's like oh, I don't know. I think sighted people are already too. Uh, yeah, I was like, I don't know. If I, I'm not going to start making it, jokes about it no. anymore. I was going to um, say I, did, I don't really but, think. I, but there are certain things like I don't know. It's not something I've ever learned, and you know, some people might be like, "What? How could you?" But I would kind of. I'd like to learn how to build a campfire and light my own fire. What if I was ever, you know, on my own and needed to light a fire outside? It was cold and <laughs> needed to do. I've never actually. Brian was never a boy scout or anything. I've never done that. No. Um, and like maybe by starting in like a in a house in a fireplace, but um, yeah, growing up we had a fireplace, which was always I I have fond memories of that. Yeah, it's weird. I don't have as many memories of that. It was a long time that we yeah we haven't really used it as it, much it, it in all, the later it years. It was often not used, but for a while that we would go we we would go with it, and then we would stop. Uh, but candles definitely were my more, more of a recent sort of thing, um, and I really like how she explained, or I guess JJ would have explained in the episode how flames look separate from the wick. And it's almost like the flame, flame is hovering above yep. the wax as the wax gets really melty that and liquidy. I, that I think I've seen. And it, that it kind of makes sense in a weird way, even though I still don't quite understand it and stuff. But um, 
And then, yeah, I noted about the hollow flame that you you touched on. It's just, it's a, it's an interesting thing because even without the visuals, and the visuals are incredible but that he describes in this episode, but it's just interesting, too, to think about even not being able to see that fire provides, like, it has such a unique sound, and it, mm-hmm. the sound does fluctuate, especially on a campfire, like, the difference being, like, with a gas fireplace that's very sort of static and doesn't really change like a like an actual yeah. big fire would as the flames right. da- move around or dance around was the expression which it's interesting you hear that and if you haven't had this yeah, description fi- you might fire's, know what he means a fire's dancing a fire rages like there's so many ways to describe fire and I love that about it but yeah it's like a campfire you know you put logs on and things and the way it burns you know it whistles it crackles so many it different pops, sounds it- so many different smells depending on how burnt things are and how th- where things are at so much you know you can feel the warmth and that so it just it's such a yeah my favorite smell in the fall one of my favorite smells in fall is the smell of of a campfire yeah same here so when you when you hear all of these these visual descriptions it makes sense that it would be very complex visually but not being able to see before in my case, you don't even think necessarily, like when I've been at a campfire, I haven't necessarily thought, like, now that I think about it, it makes sense that there's all sorts of flames going around and all sorts of things happening. But to me, it's just like you hear this big noise and there feel, are, you feel the heat. There are subtleties in it, but you don't necessarily think about what sort of visual show, if you want to call it like that, is going on for the people who are there actually watching the fire. Yeah, I think it can be kind of mesmerizing. Yeah. You stare at it and, like, they talk about the kind of glow it puts on people's faces and the warmth that provides but if it's a you know obviously if it's a whole forest fire it's it's huge but JJ describes some beautiful sunsets even though it's they're often caused by the smoke and really sort of toxic stuff but yeah, anyway so. it was a great great episode yeah so definitely look that one up it's it's quite interesting and I definitely learned a lot for sure so I would uh, recommend you search talk description to me and the episode on fire but um, care we are uh, over mm. halfway through here so I think we should take a quick break today on Outlook here on Radio Western and we'll be back with more of the program after these ads. Welcome back to Outlook here today on Radio Western. My name's Brian. And I'm Carrie and we are siblings who are blind talking about a bunch of stuff, a mixed bag of it's Monday mixed bag topics. here on Outlook on February the 7th, 2022. Mm-hmm. So uh, I wanted to mention, first of all, happy Chinese New Year to people who celebrate that, uh, but also happy Black History Month, or I guess sometimes some people refer to it as Black Heritage Month uh, here in Canada. But uh, I, I'm bringing it up specifically because I had an interesting uh, thing happen recently. Yeah, you've been talking to me a lot about this, and yeah. I haven't even heard all the details, so I'm look, looking forward to you uh, telling our listeners about uh, this this person that you discovered. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm in a writing class right now, and uh, it's called it's a psychogeography class, which means it's the psychological attachment we have to a place. And so I'm deciding to write my piece on, on Main Street, which, all, you know, most towns have a Main Street, uh, in our case, in my case, it's called it's called Dundas in Woodstock, Dundas Street, and uh, just a heads up, Carrie, you're rubbing the mic a bit. I don't know if you're kind of close to it or. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Um, so, I did some research into the street and my town, and I came across the fact that we had a town crier. Well, I guess he was an unofficial t- 
they, they called him unofficial, but he, he did it for 25 years or so. So his name was George Washington Jones. Well, that's what they called him. Apparently his name was George Gravy. And he didn't really like George Washington Jones, so I'm not sure why that name stuck. But uh, he he was uh, a black man who was in Woodstock in starting Woodstock, in, Ontario, and that's where you're from. That's okay. where I'm from. He started in 1925, and he was, which for our listeners is is west of Toronto, about an hour and a half. Yeah, not not too far from London here. Yeah, not too too far from London where we're broadcasting here. Uh, so I wanted to write about this man and incorporate him in, into my piece on 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 the main street of of Woodstock. So I did some research, and I found out that. You know, sort of the details of his of his early life are a little bit hazy. Uh, he was said to have been born into slavery in the U.S., and somehow he did make it to Canada. And he was in Chatham first, and he was a shoe shiner and worked at some hotels. And somehow he made it to Woodstock, and he became the unofficial town crier. He would walk up and down Dundas Street. First of all, he had a uh, a bell, and then eventually, no, I think he had a trumpet, and then he moved to a bell. And the trumpet is actually an artifact. It's it's uh, on display at the Woodstock Museum. Uh, be interesting to. Ch- I don't know if I'd be able to touch it though, depending on what the protocol is and stuff. But mm. be interesting. Uh, so I did a bit of research on him, and incorporated him into my essay. And so yeah, he did that for twenty five years. He would walk up and down the street, ringing his bell. He would have a he would have a sandwich board like a sign. He would announce dances and sporting events and carnivals, and uh, yeah. It was just fascinating. But then I discovered in his later life, he actually went blind. So he was seen in Woodstock with his cane. Often he would get some assistance crossing the street. I, I like to say that nowadays these streets have that chirping signal thing, whereas obviously back then they wouldn't have had that. But uh, yeah, so he, the fact that he ended up blind at the end of his life and used a cane, uh, I just thought that was interesting. It's like when I went to BC there a couple of years ago and I, I went to the Vancouver Aquarium and discovered they have a blind sea lion there. Uh, I think it's just interesting to come across those sort of connections. So it was just interesting to learn more a bit more about the man. Yeah, no, that's really cool. And it's just, yeah, you think back on the, the history and it's hard almost to sometimes imagine that mm-hmm. even though that's not even that long ago, really, when it comes down to it, but still it's long enough ago that you just, you growing up in Woodstock and both of us near that area, I guess, you know, we you think about that in the, and like you'd say about the blindness coming into the, when you're researching, it's just, it gets starts to show you how common blindness may actually be in some ways and that you know people it happens to people in their older age and there's so many things but it's just that it does come up more and more sometimes and the more we do the show and research and learn about more people in history and all this kind of stuff so yeah I thought that's a really neat discovery yeah I mean I don't know how many people in in the town know of him uh, but I like to imagine him walking up and down the street they said he had a very booming voice and you could hear it miles away. <laughs> so, Black His- happy Black History Month to everyone who celebrates. Of course, you know, it's important that we celebrate people of all different races and cultures all all year long. But uh, Yes, absolutely. So, happy Black History Month and uh, great to recognize that important time here on Outlook. We always like to... to to point that out every time we get to this point. but Well, yeah, the show is about accessibility and e- equality, so we we speak out about anything that's human rights and whether, you know, whatever kind of discrimination or man- marginalized groups and uh, making sure everybody is treated 
is treated fairly in this world, which doesn't often happen, but I want to do my part somehow to, to even things out a little bit, a little bit more. So, Yeah, absolutely. And also, so this is a bit of a change, but we got something in the mail last week, Care, and it actually ties into an upcoming guest at the end of this month. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe some of you listening have seen an ad by uh, Purdy's Chocolatier. I hadn't even heard of Purdy's. I don't know when they began. I didn't actually get that info. I think it's been, they've been around for a while, but they just came up with this concept recently. Yeah, so I'll just quickly say that Purdy's Chocolatier is a, I just like this description. So it's a Canadian chocolatier, confectionery manufacturer, and retail operator. The company is based out of Vancouver, British Columbia, on the west coast of Canada. So they have a new product, uh, a Braille box, and couple of friends care I talked to about it my one friend uh Matt said he was he's like I was actually I saw that and I was actually going to order one for you but they were all sold out um and he's that type he's he's a a good friend he's always that type that always you know some people are just like good at getting gifts or not as good get friends things and they love to give people unfortunately I've I don't want to say I've I'm not I'm terrible at it, but I'm just not great always at knowing kind of what people want or like, but he's one of those guys that is, and it's just, so he'd definitely seen it, but of course it sold out pretty quick, and then I I told my other friend Kyle about it, and he said that he'd definitely heard of it as well, so I guess they did some really great advertising on this Braille box, but, um, It's like a, it spread like a wildfire. (laughs) Yeah, really. But yeah, it's hard to, I couldn't quite picture it until we were sent, um, our own boxes in the mail last week. Yeah, so we just want to give a, a shout out there to... Purdy's Chocolatier here on Outlook, and we will definitely get into more detail at the end of the month here on the final Monday of Outlook that we uh, we talk about Purdy's Chocolatier, but you can find them at purdys.com. If you look up, that's P-U-R-D-Y-S, and if you look up Purdy's Braille Box, you can, you can read up about it, but uh, it's really neat, really awesome product here, so look forward to chatting with them at the end of the month, and we want to give them some, some publicity on this show over the next few weeks just because of... Uh, their kindness and, and sending us the, the chocolates here and agreeing to come on Outlook. Yeah, I mean, Valentine's Day's coming up. Like, I, you know, I'm recommending this product. Yeah. Because it's a, it's a good product and I, I'm a chocolate connoisseur of sorts, so I would know. I, I haven't, um, but I haven't checked t- today, but I think there was an email a couple of days ago that said that they are back in stock. Mm-hmm. So, if you get on it soon, you can probably still order one. So, if you look up Purdy's Braille Box, hopefully they still have some in stock you can grab and we'll get into more discussion in a, in a couple yeah, of weeks. But right? a great, great quality chocolate product. All right, Kara. So we have uh, 15 minutes left today on Outlook, which you're listening to here on Radio Western. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Or you may be listening afterwards as a podcast. Outlook mm-hmm. on Radio Western on all podcast services. And did you want to get into a bit about your your favorite journalist I guess she is well I guess I, I mentioned that now I wasn't sure if I was going to leave that to the end or mention it now mm. but I guess I'll, I'll quick mention it now so yeah I mean I, f- picking a favorite is hard I honestly I haven't so this came up recently with a friend of ours that we were talking with that growing up you maybe were a little bit more focused on the news care I know it used to begin right after your favorite soap opera yeah um, and yeah it's just sometimes if it's an interesting or getting older you become more aware of the world so I'll, I'll, I'll admit that when I was younger, I didn't really pay attention to the news that much, especially before Facebook. I will admit as well that Facebook, I follow like a lot of news stuff on there um, from from reputable news sources, not just random things. But at the same point, I've also really 
started to get into the CBC more the last few years. Um, particularly, like, part of it is that someday you and I have a dream of having Outlook on the CBC, and it's also that me with my music industry arts um, graduate um, certificate and everything, that uh, or diploma, I guess it is, um, that it's somewhere I would be interested in potentially working someday. I've actually had a... Uh, informational interview there before, which is they weren't actually hiring, but it was more just to meet the um, the uh, exec- executive producer at the time and uh, and speak with them. So definitely had that connection. So I've kind of really started to listen to the CBC more, and I'm sure I'd heard the show on a little bit in the past, but within the past couple of years, I really got into the show as it happens, um, which airs every Monday to Friday from six thirty to eight p.m. And uh, so I've really gotten into this show over the past couple of years. And then just to find out uh, a few weeks ago that uh, the host of this show, Carol Off, well, she's been hosting it since 2006. It's been around long, way longer than that, I believe. But yeah. she, uh, she's she been hosting it for the past 15 years and that she just recently announced that she's retiring. Um, and I just I really grew to, to find comfort. Like I would listen to the news at 6 to 6.30, but that's kind of the very big official news report where it's very, they cover a lot of, very curated and stories and stuff which is good but it's just and it's it's good it's a little more detailed than the news on the regular hour where it's more like five or ten minutes but mm-hmm. it's still very news oriented whereas as it happens of course still news based but it's it's a lot more relaxed just carol's style was very laid back and chill and i find a lot of news presenters and stuff are and i get it certain stories you they're high energy they're, they're high energy you do hype them up but I just found her delivery was a lot more relaxed. It just felt more authentic and it wasn't, it didn't have any sort of putting it on or sort of a fake feel to it at all. It just felt very genuine. Which is why we, with, on this show, we don't, we don't really want, we try to t- talk like we normally do. Yeah. For a casual wanna, feel for this show too. We don't want to be, oh, we're on the radio. Hello, everybody. It's yeah, like, like, yeah. Putting on a whole you know, There's this, I guess a time show. and place for that, but it's not really our yeah. style and she, she really fit your... And also just the, the questions, very very poignant questions, t- lots of tough questions, but also just, yeah, great questions and really Im- interesting mix of things, you know, balancing it out with some light, sort of funny kind of th- reports uh, along with some serious stuff and just really appreciated her. So I was just sad to hear that. But of course, she's she's retiring. She's, you know, worked a long time and, and uh, totally understandable. It's just... Um, couple interesting things I did learn about her that she was born in Winnipeg, Manitoba, but then mo- did move to Ontario. And um, she ties into to Radio Western here because, or not Radio Western, I guess, but Western University because she uh, attended University of Western Ontario and studied English. And she got her start in journalism as a staff writer of the Gazette, which is the student newspaper at the University of Western Ontario. So she graduated Western in, back in 1981 with a BA and uh, hosted as it happened since 2006 and then on the 18th of January announced her retirement from as it happens it's a long time yeah so 15 years on as it happens but graduating back 40 years ago from from uh, Western University and uh, she has continued expected to continue with the CBC as a creator of a new weekly series for the network summer schedule, so I don't really know too much about that. So she'll be on in some form in the summer, but mm-hmm. still not the same. And it'll be interesting to kind of see who they replace her with on as it happens. And you know, it's always that thing; things change, and that's the way it is. But it's sometimes it's like, how can you top 
sort of makes me think of Jeopardy and, and Alex Trebek. It's like, how uh. can you really top a certain person that just seems to fit that role so well? And it just kind of made me a little bit wonder is like, ah, oh, I can't believe I only really got into this show a couple of years, like within the last year or two. You, like, you. you missed the boat. <laughs> missed like the big, so you hear all these people calling in or writing in with their favorite interview she's done. I'm just like, well, I can't really call myself a super fan because I <laughs> don't really, really have anything to send in because I've just cut, started listening more recently. But yeah, but I just wanted to mention that uh, on the air today. But it's like, it's like for me, it's like Rachel Maddow in the States. She's the one, one place I like to get my news of what's going on there, keep an eye on things. And she, I heard the same thing. At first it sounded like she was retiring maybe for good, but then it turns out she's just taking a hiatus to work on some other projects and she says she'll be back. But uh, I feel the same about her as you seem to about Carol. Like I just, I love Rachel's style and I, I love her, her spunk and her, her, her presentation style. And so, you know, we get to know these personalities and they um, you just they become part of your routine but hopefully you'll hear on something else somewhere some point yeah but I don't know it is what it is I guess it just won't quite be the same And <laughs> yeah we need voices of calm steadiness to get us through these times we do and speaking of do you want to end the show on a <laughs> tough moment why not, right? Sure, we've really tried to keep it light today because it's it's always that balance and yep and uh, and I know people are sick of hearing about stuff that's in the news, specifically the trucker convoy. But um, it just ties into this podcast we've been talking yeah, about. Yeah, so today. we're gonna go back to the podcast that yeah. we talked about fire originally, which was you know it does also have its negative points, but it was a lot of a lot more of a light yeah. part in the pun, a bit more of a light episode there <laughs> about fire even though it did get serious at the end about talking about forest fires, but still overall a bit a bit more calm to listen to than this Freedom Convoy. Mm -hmm. The episode, they just released episode 89 of their show this week, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, very topical for the time. It's called The Freedom Convoy. Yeah, and so I'll just quickly read the, the line for what this podcast is, because it explains it. It's, it's talk description to me is, is where the visuals of current events and the world around us get hashed out in description-rich conversations. And that's definitely what they do on that show, and so giving them another plug <laughs> near the end of the show today, because they are they're doing great stuff over there. But yeah, they cover things that are in the news and they've done protests coverage from the states in the last couple of years with the George Floyd protests and, and Black Lives Matter and all that stuff. But uh, this is happening in Canada now and it's just hitting closer to home. Uh, but they had And they are a Canadian they podcast. Yeah, they had it earlier. So of course they would definitely cover it being a Canadian podcast though. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I guess it, it sort of starts out with this Christine, the, uh, the, the host who's blind, sort of describes originally in the beginning that how this is puts JJ her her co-host in a, in a difficult situation sometimes with because as a describer you're really trying you're you know it's about neutrality because you don't want to be taking sides you're supposed to just describe what you see what you see and that's that's where the the media and a lot of these things but do see, get tricky so that's the thing about sight is everybody thinks I, I can see and this is what you see and that's the way it is but even sight even seeing things there's room we've for pointed that out yeah that sight isn't always the it's like but it's like so many things that even though you're seeing sim the same things in one way you're still, Everybody sees it differently. You still interpret it your own way. So what is, 
how what does something look like? Like everyone's going to have a slightly different interpretation, and and especially when it is something that is polarizing to, mm-hmm. in, in in some ways that it it makes it even more difficult. So that's just one thing that oh, you, yeah. you admire with someone like with JJ who is in that role because it is a. Well, yeah, they cover t- tough subjects often, and you know they covered the residential school and the and the mass graves that we've been that have been discovered here in Canada, and so they discuss they discuss really you know serious things, and and it's often hard hard stuff, and he has to study it, and he does he studies it from all angles, and he really so in this case he described it he described things about it that if you're blind you you, you might not be getting. Because you only, you mean, you hear every news update you, you might be tuning into. And of course, you can hear, you hear the horns. That's hard to miss. Uh, that's all I think about when I think of these protests now. But there's a lot of visuals that for the blind community aren't, you know, we're not getting the same message necessarily when you can't see some of these images. So he did a great job of describing um, what Parliament Hill looks like. And I've, you know, I've been there once or twice, but I, you know, I didn't really understand. And yeah, same okay. here. Like I, cause I haven't been, I haven't been to Ottawa that much, but I've definitely been there. And I just, yeah, I've, I've heard of Parliament Hill, but just not being able to see it's not something I've thought too much about. So it was interesting to hear him describe that. And then mentioning the Ottawa River, like I'd almost forgot about. I just haven't been in Ottawa a long time, but <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, Ottawa has a river. It's just these little things that the Rideau Canal. If you're not always looking or you don't always see it, it's just it's different, right? It's a different sort of yeah. uh, aspect, but. Yeah, yeah. So you know, he describes the the tomb of the unknown uh, unknown soldier, and you know the the war memorial, and and then he describes what the trucks sort of look like, and a lot of the signs they're carrying, and you know, those are the things we we miss when we can't see, and maybe it's for the best. <laughs> Somebody might look at it that way, I guess. But you know, you want to have all the information, right? It's like almost like else. in a way you're not. You can read any article, you can do all that, but that's still just words of someone's, in a way, you could still say interpretation unless you actually see it for yourself. Um, I still almost think in a way to really get the effect, you'd almost have to go to Ottawa because even a picture, like you say, it it does show it, but yeah. it's it's that's why I'm, you know, it's like the, the, the citizens of that town are the ones that I really listen to because I just think those are the ones who have to live through it and they're actually seeing it happening in the moment. But I also wanted to quickly mention, Carrie, your... You're, you're mentioning about the headlines and the visuals. So one specific example was dancing on the tomb of the unknown soldier. Right. And the example that he uh, JJ gave in the episode is that, and he wasn't at all trying to say that there wasn't dancing, but based on all the images he saw, it wasn't specifically dancing, but that was more of the headline that is more of a metaphor yeah. for the just the what's going on around these these statues and stuff of this you know, inappropriate sort of behavior. And, they found yellow snow on, on, right. on, on the memorial and, and, you know, these things that people... I'm blind, but I still know what that means. Yeah. <laughs> um, I grew up listening to that Frank Zappa song. talks about yellow snow. Oh, um, okay. Don't eat the yellow so snow. So that's part of it, maybe? Yeah. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so, you know, where some blind people might even still hear that and they might not... I mean, I think you would, um, you would know what yellow snow meant. At this yeah, maybe, not everybody, but, but not necessarily, right? If you can't see, you've never seen yellow, and you you've never. Just, come and that was the it. thing about this. I'm going back to the fire episode just briefly. Was there was a lot of color mentioned, and that is important because, like mm-hmm. you say, people like you who used to be able to see more, like you can relate to that. And I still do like to know about it because people always talk about it, and it's good to know about fire. And they're talking about oranges and reds and all this. But at the same point, it's still it's still just kind of like 
it goes over your head when you when you can't see it. But yeah. anyway. But you know, it's the same thing like describing the crowd size to understand how many protesters actually are, are are there. You know, depending on which news report you listen to, you know, Donald Trump's crowd for his inauguration was the biggest ever. But if you if you could see it, you knew it wasn't. Right. And and so JJ does point out that a lot of these protests like this one, it's mostly white people you see in these images. That doesn't mean there aren't people of different uh, yeah, I think backgrounds. I, I thought I saw like some somebody on Facebook or something sharing one video of some in, someone indigenous there to, you know, mm-hmm. prove a point that there are other people, but and that's just it. I mean, it's not that there weren't any, but it's just yeah, like that's what I noticed listening to this episode too, like and that's just goes to show that the photos that are out there that everyone has access to that except for blind people because you can't see the photos in the same way um but for all of those photos you're just the amount of times he mentioned white people you just know that the majority of the people that you are seeing there are white people mm-hmm. which is yeah something and, you know and been. like there you know there are a lot of people who are legitimately there and they have a legitimate gripe and but there are people there are f- some flags right not well, that was the other thing that he said, flags, but- you know, certain photos is like you can share, you know, the same photo in a bunch of different articles, but doesn't necess- doesn't or maybe a couple different photos. But sometimes the more it gets shared around, it's like, wow, there was like 30 of these or something when really there may have only been two or three. So it really just does go to show it's it's difficult, right? But because, like, if you're like if you're a person, but I know not even like I'm not even one is no, disgusting. That's like what I'm I, that's the, the, <laughs> but I'm just pointing out that yeah. you know that's just some of the difficulties that go on in in media and reporting and and mm. uh, there's always a, some sort of bias that gets through to some degree. But then when it comes down to certain things, there there just really shouldn't be bias. It's just wrong and it's yeah. terrible to see in the capital of Canada. Confederate so. flags, Nazi flags, no, 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 no. Yeah, and that, and and if you're a you know a visible minority, that hurts. That touch that you know that hits you in a different way than it might you or me. Even though you know we can all understand, and like I say on this show, it's all about you know equality and and treating each other with respect and. Uh, you know the the ills that are out in society there racism and colonization and all these things that we're we're grappling with right now it's difficult stuff but you know we have to think about what it's like for other people so yeah it was just a fascinating episode just to hear the cited interpretation and 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 Christine's questions and and it really did shed some light, you know, pardon the pun, on, on some of that stuff. So I just, you know, I don't like to go too on about this. It gets me emotional it, happening yeah. in my country, and it's it's upsetting. Uh, we're in a time of, of a lot of, you know, dissatisfaction. and Yeah, it's just, you see all this, and you just don't know how when how we're going to get out of this. I, you know, you just mm-hmm. got to keep keep on here and, and just see how the next few months pan out, and hopefully... Hopefully everything is okay, but... That's why, you know, I love having this show because it gives me something positive to focus on, even though we, we tackle tough subjects often, but it's important stuff and uh, we, you know, we never want to add to the conversation in a negative way, but uh, everybody has their opinions. So what a place to end the show, huh? Yeah, I think we're hitting <laughs> noon right now, so we'll probably wrap things up, but um, yeah, not on, the, not on the happiest of notes, but it's just kind of the way things are right now, sort of unknown and unfinished, so... Yeah, we'll get through this. We will. We always do. Even if it's, you know, some blocks and difficulties along the way. So, again, Purdy's Chocolatier. Look them up. Look up the Braille box. We'll be speaking with them in uh, three weeks, I guess, here on the show. That'll be a pre-record, but it'll be... Chocolate always helps. Yeah. In these times, this was a nice little surprise to get last week um, dropped off in front of my door. So, (laughs) talking about that. And then Ben Fulton on... Accessible Media Incorporated on Kelly and Company this afternoon between 2 and 4, probably in the 3 o'clock hour. 
ami.ca to check that out. And yeah, that does it, Care. Yeah, I guess we'll be back with a new episode next week. New pre-recorded show, but it will air next week on Monday, so it's brand new, so stay tuned. Next Monday at 11 to Radio Western, and uh, we'll be back. Look on radiowestern at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at OutlookCFB and on Facebook, facebook.com slash Outlook on Radio Western.